Chapter 11. La Bajada. Search for the Mexican wood nymph. Buses to Tepic left every hour, so there was no rush to leave early. I was really tired and not feeling too well after the tacos last night. I felt for the first time I may have eaten something dodgy. I popped a couple of Vimodium and hoped for the best. After a five-hour bus ride, we were in Tepic, where we bought some snacks before boarding another two-hour bus to San Blas. The town itself didn't look that appealing as we entered, but the seemingly endless mangroves and swamps and rivers that we had driven past excited me. The centre of town was more attractive than the outskirts. The nice leafy socalo or square, was surrounded by a couple of pretty crumbling old churches and several colonial buildings. It was just five minutes to the hotel, but a middle-aged woman with a couple of teeth missing and a grin too wide for my liking insisted on guiding us on her wobbly three-wheeler trolley bike. The owner of El Ranchero Hotel was super friendly. He was a rotund chap showing his balloon-like physique off to the full by never wearing a shirt. The hotel had rooms with attached bathroom and toilet for 150 pesos, or without for 120. The communal showers and toilets had no doors, only shower curtains that were slightly too narrow, leaving gaps at the sides. We happily paid the 150 pesos. I wanted to get straight out for a walk in this famous bird-watching spot and headed out on the enticingly named Sewage Pond Trail. San Blas is famous for insects, especially sandflies or hejunes, and mosquitoes. The mozzies were out in full force as it got darker, and even my repellent and mosquito coils seemed to have no effect. I saw a few nice birds along the way, including black-throated magpie jays, bright blue birds with long tails and black crests sticking up in the air. After getting back and showering, we went for a hamburger at McDonald's. Not the chain, but a local restaurant of the same name. In the morning, I set off alone for the bus station at a quarter to six. I had checked yesterday with a friendly fat lady at the bus station, and she said I could catch a bus towards El Llano at 6am and get off at the turn for La Palma. When I arrived, she said that she wasn't sure if it would come or not. When it turned six, she informed me that it probably wouldn't be there until seven or seven-thirty. I said thank you and started walking. It was pitch black outside with very few people around. I soon got to a bridge over the river from where it was two kilometers to the turn-off for the coast. This section of the road passed through shrimp farms and mangroves which looked eerie in the twilight. Strange noises emanated from the side of the road and dark silhouettes of paurakis, big brown night birds with long wings, flapped by zigzagging, searching for insects. It started getting light. I saw the silhouette of an anhinga in the roadside mangroves. I thought about hitching with one of the occasional cars that drove by. The first few were shiny hatchbacks with wealthy types in. I didn't even bother to raise my thumb until a shabby black pickup came along. It stopped straight away. Why is it always poor people who are the ones to give lifts? Maybe it's because they're not paranoid about having their things taken. 18-year-old Emilio had been at his sister's in San Blas and was on his way back home. He was quite chatty for a Mexican, and I managed a basic conversation on the 10-minute ride. From La Palma, I got a ride the four kilometers to La Bajada, with a mango farmer called Hector, pronounced Hector. He spoke in a mixture of broken English and simple Spanish, and seemed to think everything was great. Inglaterra, muy bien. Birdwatching, muy bien. He said I had to write a report of my trip, which I promised him I would do. The paved road turned into a cobbled one, and it dropped me where it forked. Mangoes to the left, coffee to the right, he told me. I got out, thanked him, and continued up the hill, past a pastel blue church and a few houses with grubby, limping dogs outside them, and out of town into the overgrown coffee plantation. It was a lush valley with many big trees on the steep slopes. Rufus-bellied chachalacas, big brown turkey-like birds gave their chachalaca calls, which were echoed by groups on the other side of the valley. I heard a loud call coming from within the overgrown coffee plantation and saw a head pop up from within a tree stump. 
It was a beautiful endemic golden-cheeked woodpecker. Orange-fronted parakeets flew by in groups, whilst an array of butterflies fluttered around me. Mosquitoes buzzed annoyingly in my face, so I rolled down my sleeves, put up my collar, and lit a mosquito coil. I really felt I was back in the tropics. This was my kind of place. I didn't see the Mexican wood nymph or the black cap vireo, but had a great morning. Luckily, a bus was leaving just as I got back into La Bajada at midday, and I was back in the hotel by one. I had a cool shower, and we had a nice lunch of tortas and quesadillas, and potted around in the afternoon before heading up to the castle on the hill to watch the sunset. Apparently, green flash sunsets can sometimes be seen. I had heard of these before, but never seen one, and eventually came to the conclusion that it's an old wives' tale. We sat on the walls of the castle looking over the expanse of palm trees and mangroves with long, snake-like winding river cutting through it and emptying into the sea beyond. A refreshing breeze blew in our faces as the sun vanished behind some clouds on the horizon. No green flash. A local guide started giving us a lecture in broken English. I was pretty sure he was trying to extract a fee for his efforts, so we decided to ignore him and engross ourselves in a conversation. He soon left. It started to get dark and we started the long walk back with the promise of dinner and bed. Luckily, the bus went all the way to La Bajada the next day, so we arrived nice and early with a minimum of effort. After doing some homework last night, I'd found out that the Mexican wood nymphs were only to be found above 250 metres, so I decided to walk a little higher up than yesterday. There had been a few more clouds in the sky than yesterday, and they cast a shadow over the little valley. There was no wind, and it was eerily quiet. After a while, birds became a little bit more active although there were still the same species I had seen yesterday. Up and up we walked, getting hotter, sweatier, and swatting the occasional mosquito. We saw bright green Mexican parrotlets and a big, pale-billed woodpecker, but it got later with no sign of my target birds. Black-capped vireos were migratory and come here for winter. It was possible they hadn't arrived yet or were just skulking in a bush somewhere. Hummingbirds often move altitudinally with season, and they could have been higher up. Wherever they were, I'd added them to the list of birds I'd failed to see. We had walked quite far and had to rush back down the slippery cobbled slope to catch the midday bus back. We got back just in time, but the bus driver decided to sit there for ten minutes before he could be bothered to start the engine. He redeemed himself by stopping the bus halfway down the hill to pick us a fruit from a tree. They were small green fruits with hard round seeds inside. I wouldn't go as far as calling them delicious, but they were certainly edible. We got out at the junction and were soon picked up by another bus, getting back to the hotel a little after one. It was very hot outside. I felt lethargic after sweating so much. My girlfriend wanted to go to the beach, but the idea of being out in the midday sun didn't appeal to me. It was almost 3pm by the time we left. A reasonable hour, I thought, although she was furious. The beach I had planned to go to, which incidentally had some interesting birds nearby, was reached by catching a ferry across a river to an island on the other side. This was called Peso Island, as it used to cost a peso to cross the river. It's now five pesos, according to the guidebook. We took a winding back alley to the river where some men were sitting around and chatting. I asked where the boat went from, and one guy said he would take us but needed to put some gasoline in his boat. I asked him how much it was going to be, and he replied, 150 pesos. At last I had a chance to try a phrase I've been wanting to use since I arrived. Es una broma? Is that a joke? He grinned slightly and said it wasn't, and he would take us a lot of different places. I said it was too expensive, to which he said something, and motioned further along the bank. We walked along a bit and found the real jetty, where there were lots of boats tied up, but no boatmen. We asked a bloke nearby and he said he would take us. I was automatically suspicious and asked the price. He said it was five pesos each way, so I guess he was a boatman. He dropped us off on the other side and said he would pick us up at five, only giving us an hour and a half. 
It was a ten-minute walk through the mozzie-infested scrubland to the beach. I won't say it was the nicest beach in the world, but it was absolutely deserted and stretched as far as the eye could see. Willets and oyster catchers ran along the edge of the water. I felt we'd seen enough of San Blas and would be moving on tomorrow.